Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. On a warm summer's evening, on a train bound for nowhere, I met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring. At the window at the darkness the boredom overtook us And he began to speak He said, son, I've made a life Out of reading people's faces and Knowing what the cards were By the way they held their eyes So if you don't mind my saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I'll give you some advice so I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow Then he bombed a cigarette And asked me for a light And the night got deathly quiet And his face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold them Know when to fold them Know when to walk away Run. You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done Oh, Phoenix! <laughs> hey, yo! Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Oh, my Lord. 
Because it's my Why? show. And I love you, Greg. You guys know how to party. You're welcome. What better way to follow the gambler than with Big E screaming into a microphone? It is time for another edition of Chair Shot Radio. My name is Greg DeMarco. You can find me all over your social media, although I think I wasn't active before. You should see me now. You can find me, however, all over your social media at Chair Shot Greg. Chair Shot Radio is part of the Chair Shot Radio Network, which you can find at thechairshot.com. Always use your head. You can also find the show over at eWrestlingNews.com. Go check it out. Wrestling news, analysis, lots of opinion stuff. Thanks to the staff at The Chair Shot. All you need, you can find in those two places. eWrestling News and... TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Like probably 50% of the podcasts in the world this week, we open with a little Kenny Rogers passing away the gambler. Classic tune. I knew... It's one of those things that, that Patrick O'Dad wouldn't have asked for, but I'm sure he thought about it. So we went ahead, opened the show that way with, with The Gambler. Not going to be a topic of conversation on this show today, however. Uh, lots to talk about. Uh, we got a little fun wrestling review we're going to do with you. But first, got to bring in our cast of characters, of course. He's been doing this down since day one-ish, May of 2011. We'll be celebrating nine years here shortly, and maybe by then will be allowed to leave our houses. It is the Wrestling Realist on the Twitter at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Patrick O'Dowd. F-A-B-U-L-O-U-S. F-A-B-U-L-O-U-S, yes. What's up, man? That's what you say when you like don't have anything poignant to, to say. Like sometimes you come in and you're like, Kenny Rogers was a great man. And other times you're like, No, I mean we we talked up? about Kenny Rogers on the Bandwagon Nerds podcast. Oh, uh, they just dropped today, so I, I'm sure you did. I mean, I'll listen to it when I have a free half day. But when's uh, it's two hours? Two hours. Back off. Two hours and ten half minutes. Day. I know. I uploaded the file. Two hours and what? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Ah, those ten minutes were important. That's when we talked about the gambler. See. <laughs> <laughs> those 10 minutes at the beginning or the end? I need to know when to fast forward. It's, it's the end. I, I loved the show, by the way. We, I'll pimp it later, but I loved the show this week. We will. We will indeed. But first... Te- te- technical difficulties aside. It happens. We got to bring in ring announcer to the stars, the queen of soft style herself, down since day... I can't remember what it was, but now it's probably like 1,237-ish at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook, but definitely not Twitter, Miranda Morales. 
Luckily for you, I never have anything poignant to say. So, never. Uh, yeah. You you have a whole podcast of non-poignant topics and discussions that takes place. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if people love non-poignant things, like hashtag Miranda Show is for you. I mean, Patrick and I have been non-poignant for years, so we got the uh, we got the market cornered. No, I do feel like. If, if you know, I mean, out out of everyone, you guys do have some pretty poignant poignant things to to say. Um, maybe not every every moment, but like way more than most people. I, I would agree with that, especially you know me. Also, Patrick, especially me. Here, Patrick, I'll just say it for you. Awesome! I came to okay. Anyway, so last week, uh, first of all, date recording date. March 24th, 2020. I think it's important to keep that going right now. With the state of the world that we live in, last week was the coronavirus episode of Chair Shot Radio. This week, we'll, we'll get a quick update, and then we'll go into some first-ever Clash of the Champions. But let's get a little coronavirus update going on. Patrick O'Dowd is currently sheltered in place. So so tell us Ish. how you're... It, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's not even the it's, right It's so place. weird because it's like, they're like, don't leave your house. But you can leave your house to do, like, all these things. And so, like, we're not we're not as bad as, like, Illinois. Like, my, my, my family lives in Illinois, and, like, my dad works for Kraft Foods, and so he's allowed to leave his house, and he's got, like, a little piece of paper he's got to carry with him while he drives to work to, like, show people that, like, I'm allowed to go where I'm supposed to go. We're not could, like that. You could probably make money like selling those things. I, you know, old man O'Dowd might be able to. He's too much of a forthright boomer to do anything like that. He's going to go do his work at the old factory. I mean, despite being born not during that decade, you're kind of a forthright boomer yourself. So I, I see where you get it. Oh, from. that's that's full of shit. I feel uh, like that's just like a, a real world hall pass. Like here's yeah. your hall pass so that you can go around. I mean, but he can't really go around. Like he can go to work and home. Like that's it. Like it's like, like I don't and I don't know exactly what the rules are. Like nobody seems to know. Like with the whole like, like they don't know. They're just if, trying to because if you want to go to the grocery store, you can still go to, to the grocery store. But yeah. like, yes. what time do you go? It's like you can't you know stay inside and don't go out. Unless you have to do one of these seventy-four things, which are all the things you yes, would do right. normally, so it. Uh, it the word "non-essential" is very broad and varies from state to state. Yeah, it really does. Welcome it really does. America. Yes, but that's okay, you know. America. But it still is. It is keeping people inside, and it is keeping people, you know, ish. ish. But more, I think ish is more ish than they were. I, I do think it's more. And that's I, what but for example, I went to pick up food today, and you wouldn't have known. Like that, that people weren't supposed to leave the house. Like traffic was just, it was kind of normal. Like it was a little bit lighter, but I was like, there's too many cars out for like, not everybody needs this much food. Like what's going on here? I'm trying to avoid you crazy people who hoarded the toilet paper and yet you're still hoarding the toilet paper. You assholes. Stop it. So Sunday, I, uh, I think it was Sunday. Sunday was the day I did like the 10 mile. Yeah. Sunday. Um, before I did the 10 mile thing that, that Miranda knows about, I, happened to go through the little the, the Walmart neighborhood market to get water and stuff like that and then um and then I went back in I saw this big long line I was like what's that line for line was for the toilet paper line dissipates immediately and I just got like a giant thing of toilet paper and I was like I'm good for the next six months with this giant thing of toilet paper that I bought so but it was just the, like like literally 
Like that stocked me up, and now I have no reason to buy toilet paper, no matter what happens. So you're part of the problem. You're hoarding. No, I'm not hoarding. It was one package, no. just one big package. Like what was I supposed to do? Tell them no, I want half. Like the you package? bought you bought you bought the bulk package, right? Like, the, that's, that's all they yeah. had. Like and you bought one, right? You didn't yeah. buy like eight. You can't buy more than one. They won't allow you. To, right. So it doesn't matter. Well, that's yeah. the thing is like when this all broke down, like it was the, the crazy, you know. Yeah. Family of two getting seven of those 28 packs of toilet paper because we, and here's the thing is let's be real, everybody. If shit really goes down, but I'm literally yeah. like if, if this all breaks down, is it really, are you really going to be worried about wiping your ass? Yeah. Is that really what's going to be important? You, I actually buy into the people buying the guns more than the people buying the toilet what's paper funny, because the, if you're uh... going to believe in apocalypse, like toilet paper, you're going to do well, you can throw a roll at him. It's going to bounce off your face. There's strategy behind it. You never know. The three items that have really gone up in sales that are surprising to people: one is guns. Number two is bidets. Yeah, you know, bidets. Oh yeah, what? bidets. Yeah, bidets. that's the same. You don't have to right buy. Yeah. yeah, you don't yeah. have to buy toilet paper. And You're number three is uh, at that point. Number three is uh, live cam girls. So it's very interesting how <laughs> things have gone. Um, well, and that's that's the real we, status out online. So it's got to be uh, real. Oh yes. I, I'm telling you, full never heard. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, I mean, I know you're not on social media that much, but if you've seen how many people, whether half jokingly, full jokingly, or not jokingly, uh, started uh, a message or started a, a Facebook post or a post saying, "Man, I guess I'm really gonna have to start that fans only site." Um, <laughs> we <laughs> right, right, and, that, well, yeah. and, and it just seems like there's a lot of desperately horny people out there, including good old Jr. By the way, little disturbing. To see Jr. like hitting on oh he always women. does that that's nothing new it's, he's he's a lech go listen oh, to boy. his listen to his old show before he changed the format listen oh to sure listen to his interview with Becky Lynch that's all I'm going to tell you <laughs> but uh, I want to have fun I don't with know people if I want to we want you know we, we kind of want to bring back the classics so let's have some fun. Patrick, what's your problem with, with the Hacksaw Jim Duggan theme song? I don't understand. It's just really odd and not what I thought you were going to play, we don't given always, what we were about to cover. We don't always – sometimes we just play a song that has nothing to do with the topic. Like it's 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 just it's Clearly. Just for fun, man. It's just for fun. <laughs> but Hacksaw Jim Duggan? Well, you didn't care when I played Rick the Model Martell? That's because that's well, the greatest yeah, he... mid-carter of all time, sir. Shut up! That's, that's, that's his number one. See, Number one mid Carter. I got a new. I got a new sound by for takes like that, Patrick O'Dowd, where you get mad about Hacksaw Jim Duggan not. I'm being not related. mad. I just thought it was weird. When you like, you can't put words in my mouth. <laughs> like, oh, I, I can't. But if you've been here for nine years, I can put words in your mouth. When you get mad about Hacksaw Jim Duggan, but don't get mad about Rick the Model Martell. Mister Rollins says something for you. That's what I have to say about that. I couldn't get a clean yeah, copy I mean, you of that. Can, I'm going to work on it. Yeah, it was like, that that's, was you, can give, you can give me that shitty soundbite all you want. That's fine. Not I good. know. I, I, I got Expected more. Expected better from you, Greg. Expected more. Wow. Damn. It's all right. I'll work on it. I'll get there. But that's what I want. You'll so so I'm, I'm reorganizing the soundbites. And so that's something that I actually wanted to bring up. Because 
you know, it, it's it's really easy to go out there and get a soundbite nowadays, you know, and 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 put things together. It's a lot easier than it used to be, thanks to the method w- w- within which we record the show. By the way, yep, show is recording. That's good. That's a lot. It's 14 minutes. I waited to check on that, so it's a good thing it was actually recording. If you guys have any requests for sound bites, now's probably the time because now we're all at home and we have time to do things like make sound bites. So <laughs> if there's any requests, especially for Patrick, who's been there, you know, Miranda was on the blog talk for a little bit, but Patrick's on the blog talk forever. If there's any old ones you need me to go back in and fish out, I can. God. And uh, it, it's I'm going to I'm gonna have to like go listen to old episodes. Is that what you're going to make me do? You don't have, it's up to you. You don't have to. Well. As long as you get like the important theme songs back, like I still want those old. Um, speaking of WCW, those old WCW theme songs that we used to play for breaks, those are just classic. Just a couple. It was just the Steiners, Sting, Bad Street. And I think that was it. That, yeah. Well, Bad Street Bad was Street. Bad Street's amazing. That was the original. Yes. Bad Street was was the, the Bad, Street. Bad Street, and that song is long as hell. It is. <laughs> it was a really long song. It sure is. But that was our break back when we used to have a break in the middle of the show. Bad Street was the. It's like a six-minute intermission. <laughs> that's, usually, that, that's when I would have to go get the guest, and and oh yeah, all right, of, all of it was what we had to do. But it Chris, worked. Chris Masters marking out for Sting's theme music. That's oh yeah, still one of my it. favorite moments on the show. He, he asked like, me to put him back on hold. So yeah, that was that was the best. And so, your edge mix. You you still got your edge mashup? I, I haven't been able to find it, so I'm gonna have to go back in because I didn't make that. I, I stole that. Let's be honest. And um, I got to go back in and find the edge mix because that was good. The edge mix was was perfect. It like had the opening, then it went into the brood theme song, then it went into like the edge. You know, you think you know me, and then it went into the actual edge theme song, the one that we all know and love. So. Yeah, you're you're breaking up. Oh, oh. oh. now nothing. Wait, did, what? What okay. was that, Miranda? Uh, one of those weird bugs that have been like infesting Arizona. No, like they I was like, no like, idea. We live in a frosted wasteland here in Massachusetts. We don't have bugs yet. Yeah, we have bugs here, and it was a bug that I hit. Can, can you still not hear me? No, you're, no, you're fine. Okay, good, good. By the way, don't put that. I have zero bugs, so don't put that on the state of Arizona. Like it's uh, in it's the state of Arizona. <laughs> you may not have it in your house, wherever Maybe. you live, but so it's like it's like Arizona, like Australia, like Australia light, where Maybe. like you know how there's always those Sometimes. photos of like crazy bugs. We do have no, some. not crazy Arizona bugs, but them. the the wildlife can be outrageous. There was a bobcat just hanging out in front of my house like two weeks ago. Huge as bobcat, like zoo I mean, size. Every time bobcat. I visit Greg, like at once every six years or so, it's kind of like the passing of Haley's comment. Uh, when when I do visit Greg, I I I check for scorpions everywhere I go. And you, I I still yeah. barely ever come across a scorpion, never. And snakes, really? And, and basically, yeah. I'm just always afraid I'm going to die in Arizona. I feel- my parents, they live in Tempe. They always have scorpions. It all depends on what your house is built on. And if you're built yeah. on citrus, then yeah, you're screwed. Our neighborhood is built on cotton. And so that's why we don't have that problem. And Miranda also says that like she not only doesn't know where I live, but hasn't repeatedly made fun of where I live. So she, yes, she acts I'll, like, hey, quid pro quo. Like you do the truth. same for me. I do the same for that's, you. That's, that's the truth right there. The, the big thing, I actually have actual wildlife around me. Yeah. Coyotes, javelinas, bobcats, bunnies. <laughs> bunnies. I think our 
I think our favorite thing in Massachusetts is that we do have just random ass bears wander through neighborhoods. Ooh, interesting. No, it's like a real thing that happens. Like my, uh, it hasn't happened in my yard. I've only had like raccoons and really big skunks. But, you know um, what happens if the if the bear shows up in your yard though? He's gonna look at you. And he's gonna you say, leave what? it. You leave it the fuck yeah, alone. Exactly. And let it do whatever he's gonna it wants. He's gonna look at I you. Will he's not gonna fuck with a bear. He's gonna no. inform you of one thing and one thing only. This is my yard now, and you're gonna have Basically. no choice whatsoever. It's just one of you know. It's like that country bumpkin local news thing though. Like inevitably, about once every about this time of year when hibernation ends, we get some report of somebody in our town a bear wandering through the neighborhood. Every every year, bears. So anyway, back on topic. Let's talk about the coronavirus. So so we yeah. talked about Patrick shelter in place. State of Arizona, we're up to five deaths. I got the latest stats: three hundred twenty-six confirmed cases. Of course, the whole confirmed cases number is tough because you just never know, and there's not enough tests out there to really know right now. So everybody's taking care of themselves. We're all working from home. We're doing everything we can. Everything's canceled. We're trying to. I mean, I went drove two miles, two two miles, two hours north on Saturday to go hiking, and and my kid fell in a lake. So you know, it's just things that happen that you do and and have a lot of fun. So you just got to make the best of the situation and and do everything you can and and you know take care of yourself. That's what we're all here to do, and that's what we're all gonna do. Wild card, bitches! Speaking of nothing that has anything to do with what we're about to talk about, Miranda, sell some t-shirts. Let the people know. Yes, uh, of course. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to support thechairshot.com, if you'd like to just buy yourself a new t-shirt, especially after, you know, we are all out of quarantine, you may want to go back into the world and and show off your sweet, sweet style, you can go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot. There... There are over 25 different shirts that you can view that you could purchase if you really wanted all 25. Uh, but there's a huge variety of designs, colors, styles, including the OG chair shot shirt, the OG user head, multiples actually, the hashtag save tag team wrestling, and one that I completely forgot about um, but exists is the Chair Shot Corona shirt. Now, it's not the coronavirus, but it is modeled after Corona beer. So if you'd like to be ironic um, or you really love Corona beer, there's a shirt for you there. And, of course, I have to plug my own shirt, the Queen of Soft Style shirt, um, all available. Most of them, $19.99, which is a fairly good deal. You do have to pay a little bit more if you want to go soft style, which is I recommend. Uh, you want to be comfortable, especially if you are at home uh, in your day PJs or night PJs, or now your PJs are just mixing in together to all day PJs. Uh, what really works well with those is a soft style t-shirt. So go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot to get your chair shot t-shirt today. It's just PJs at this point. There's no day, no night. It's just, just PJs. I mean, I, I'm oh, that trying. Was, that was really PJs. bleak, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus I don't Christ. like I'm sitting at home all during day. this show, man. What the I don't hell? like sitting at home all day. I yes. can't help it. I can't help yes. it. So. Yes. 
Ooh. While you're wearing There's your no chair shot t shirt, you can also head on over to powerslam.tv and watch some wrestling because what else are you going to do right now, right? You're going to watch wrestling and you can do so for just six bucks a month. But you don't have to plunk down six bucks a month right now. Oh no. You can get yourself a free month. Check it out. See if you want it. I'll tell you how on the back end. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. That's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Pick up your free month, try it out, see if you like it. And if you do, then you can sign up and pay just 6 bucks a month. But check it out, powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. That's powerslam.tv. Promo code chair shop. Watch out for Keith. See, another theme song, completely irrelevant to anything we're going to talk about, and Patrick's happy about it. That, of course, is who? This is the model Rick Martell, baby. Rick the model Martell. So let's transition into our actual topic of the week. We sat down last week and, and, and made the pitch to Patrick and Miranda that we would watch an old show and we would go ahead and have some fun talking about it, and that's exactly what we all did. That old show being the very first ever Clash of the Champions. Clash 1, as many people would refer to it as March, I believe March 27th, uh, 2000, yes. or excuse me, 1988, so 32 years ago, yep. Greensboro, North Carolina, the Greensboro Coliseum, and yeah, we're going to talk about it, so we'll just dive right in. Pa- Patrick, you know, they, they spent a lot of time during this show advertising NWA. That was also the opening to NWA main event that they used for Clash of the Champions with the belts right. and the lightning bolts and, and all of that. Um, I love that intro, though. Like, for for its time, like, I love that that little, like, fancy. the whole screen and all that. And it was that. different. Like, so, like, you knew something was going to be cool and happen. And, right. It felt like a big deal. Um, here's the crazy thing. That crowd was on fire. Like, yes. like right. Really, uh, there I, yeah, were zero hot fucking crowd you, in the yeah. upper left hand corner. The, 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 uh, the, the, the reported number was 6,000 and the building holds 22,000. So I don't, right. we'll talk about that number later. Um, but this crowd, I can tell you 6,000 wrestling fans, a pro- not even approximately precisely zero jaded assholes in this crowd. And that's what made it so much fun to listen to the crowd. Literally Such a different time respond to yeah. everything back at a simpler time when, you know, people cared about wrestling. Right. Instead of getting themselves over or tweeting or I don't even know what. Right. 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 You know, if it was now someone in that 6,000 oh, would just take shots of the empty seats in that right. arena and be like, right. or, look or at the court or the curtain off. Here's what I need to know. Miranda, are they taking shots of the empty seats before or after chanting for CM Punk? 
Like which? Ooh, right. What's the before. order of operations? It'd have to be know. before. Yeah. Usually you have to get in a groove to start your CM Punk chant because you're already uh, agitated yeah. um, that they right. didn't have your well, t-shirt. Or you pay $32 for a t-shirt. Um, and, and, on, and on Twitter during the main event, they would have been talking about how Sting was rammed down our throats. Like, you can't do that. Don't go to Sting. We're not. We're not. We're not no, there we're, yet. we're going through the whole thing. You're talking about all the bitchiness. We're not there now, though. We're not. We're not there. Yet. Save yeah, it. They would have been bitching. At it. They would have been bitching at it before the show. You save know they would. They would have been. They would have been. Save, save it for the podcast. Oh wait. Go fucking watch Sting again. Now I do have to tell you, and I had to rewind this three different times to confirm. If you listen really, really closely to to the opening of the show, when when you know Bob Cottle and Tony Schiavone are. are, are Bob. Are talking. If you listen really closely, and I, and I caught a, a little sound of it, here's what I heard. Now, now I went ahead and, and I and I I increased the sound so that you could hear exactly what it was. But if you listen really, really close, you would catch an earful of. Oh wait, that's what they played after. You heard the crowd, all six thousand of them in unison, do this. Two-year-old Adam Cole came out and put his fingers in the air, and that's how. Totally. That's how that happened. Yeah, and that's where it began. So your opening contest was for the NWA World Television Championship, which, by the way, I didn't, didn't see Mike Rotunda wearing to the ring, which I thought was a little interesting. But uh, it was Jimmy Garvin <laughs> versus Mike Rotunda. Well, it was Rotunda, according to the ring announcer. Rotundo, according it to the graphics. Rotundo. Rotundo. Yeah, been his life. His his absolute life. Um, the ring announcer said Rotundo. The graphics said Rotundo. But what was really important was that Teddy Long himself, the, the, the OG player, was the referee. Love it. Which made me very... Right. So, so the rules of this, very important, was there were three five-minute rounds and a one-count right. needed to win the match. I was However, <laughs> that was never explained to a- the am- amateur amateur pinfalls yes, amateur pinfalls now as the Aren't match began in amateur wrestling though like i, I no no, no it was yes. a full amateur wrestling match because it was a full amateur wrestling match jimmy garvin wouldn't get to haul off and punch somebody right. in the match so, so it's a it's a hybrid it's a hybrid yes. by the way it's a combo. before we get too far into this always loved the green and blue ring apron Yes. Was always oh, we're going to talk about the ring here in a second. I got some notes about the oh, ring. Okay. But I am the immediately NWA. questioning the 6,000 reported attendance number. It does seem like way more to me um, right. based on some of the crowd shots and the noise. Now, the building had a different ceiling at the time. It was like literally your old school tile ceiling and just, just very, very different, but, but very enjoyable to hear that crowd literally go nuts for every little thing. But I did have some notes about the ring, and, and you know, Miranda's a little more color-coordinated. She can talk about this. This ring needs to decide what color it wants to be. Like, in looking at this ring, so you've got red, white, and blue ropes. You've got red, right. white, and blue corners. You've got a green and blue ring apron. The blue in the turnbuckles does not match the blue in the rope. So that's a problem. Yeah, that's hard to. And, I would imagine that was probably hard to do at that time. In '88, I mean, they probably just didn't have the resources to find the exact color. I Whoever's, mean, Bill Watch, Bill Watch just opened up his garage and was like, yeah. Bill Watch shit. wasn't anywhere to be found during this. So, what are you talking is, about? Well, they had purchased the UWF already, but Watts wasn't right. booking, wasn't in charge, wasn't anything at this point. So no, no, no. Watts was there, but it's. I watch shows like this, and I realize why they went to just the single color ropes because it's yes. way, way better. Um, 
another observation I had to me. So, so this this match has rounds, and we know things like boxing have rounds. We know things like UFC has rounds. A lot of different sports have rounds. It's odd to me that the match that has rounds doesn't have judges, and the match that doesn't need judges has judges. Like, I just don't understand right. where they misplaced the judges. Well, that's what I was saying. I thought in amateur wrestling you get points. You do. Like you you have, do get you points know. in amateur wrestling. You get so points for that, takedown. But again, as Patrick said, it's a hybrid. It's a little, it's, it's yeah, you amateur gotta it, You got to let that go. Suspend the disbelief. Here's where I can't suspend disbelief. Oh. As, right. as someone who wrestled in high school, yes, now, that's not, yeah, yeah. you know, not, <laughs> you know, didn't wrestle in college. He's about to tell us this story again. Yeah. It's not again. It's not. Did I tell the story before? You don't even know what story I'm going to tell. It's actually applicable to the I match. Know. But I'm not going to talk about how I got recruited by one college and only one college to wrestle. But and I didn't go there because they were Division three and they didn't have scholarships and I wasn't going to pay to go there. But the pinfall in this match was so stupid. Like if you're going to have amateur pinfalls, like if you ever watch an amateur wrestling match, that ref is studying the shoulders. Like he's right, there. Right. I think sometimes he pulls out a business card to see if he can slide it between the shoulder and the mat and the make hand. sure and you get back points if their shoulders are close. Like that's a real thing. Um and and but no, roll up, one, ring the bell. And, and But and Te- Teddy Long is not an amateur wrestling, you know, referee. He's a pro wrestling referee. Like, you maybe. know, come on, player. And Rotundo was so good with that roll-up, you know, a guy to take yeah. care of that, that it was just – he's Teddy saw that the shoulders were down, yeah. and that was that. Now, Rick Steiner coming in afterwards, he I, – I, I wrote this note, and I should have written a better note. I said, Rick Steiner is stealing someone's gimmick. Oh, I know whose gimmick he was stealing. I know exactly whose gimmick he was stealing. I didn't even do this on purpose. <laughs> he had a two-by-four. I literally didn't even do that on purpose. He did have a two by four. Yes. yes. He, uh, he I thought more like an amateur yeah. wrestler than the wrestler who was amateur wrestler. <laughs> right, he did. He yeah, had, I was a little like the jacket was it. And I was like, are you going to wrestle in that jacket? Like, I don't know. the varsity club. Hey, don't knock the varsity club. All right? I love the varsity club. I'm just saying that that was whoa, the only whoa, thing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you getting so mad? Because I love the varsity club. You jumped you at mean- me because you thought you knew. I did know. You were all ripping on his just having the jacket. He was wearing the orange and blue of he Syracuse. Was. He was. Rotundo. Kevin Sullivan, however, wasn't wearing his Central Florida or whatever he normally wore. I, I wrote that then. down. It's like Kevin Sullivan in that stupid fucking purple uh-huh. robe, purple black robe that looks but that's nothing of the like it belongs to the varsity club. With, with, with Precious. It was. And that's what I want to talk about. So Precious, the baby face. <laughs> Is choking Kevin oh, Sullivan, man. the heel. Precious choking a bitch with a coat hanger. With a coat hanger. Yes. <laughs> in Dude, 1988. That such the loudest pop. I loved it. I like but that. Here's, here's the message in all this for me. Twitter users, whatever social media user, whatever, don't ever complain to me about the face heel dynamic in 2020 again because Precious, the baby face, was choking somebody with a coat hanger. And, and, Cute. Uh, it was self-defense. I saw it. Right. Well, can, can we also just talk about how weird it is that Jimmy Garvin was a face? Like, face Jimmy Garvin was never was never good Jimmy. And but in 2020. never good pressures. In 2020, what? Jimmy Garvin would absolutely be a face. In 2020. If, like, if people liked him. 
Yes, yeah. and they yeah. will. I think, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd see him more naturally as a, a cocky heel. And but that's what gets over nowadays. That, I mean, yeah, yeah. As, as far as, like, that was a weird perception when when this dynamic first was in the ring. I was a little confused because, to me, though, too, like, I only knew the varsity club as more of a face stable. Um, and I guess at the time they they – they may have never been Maybe the way that I perceived them. Maybe, maybe uh, a lot later on. They, I, I they don't know. They were never heels. Uh, they were never heels. I mean, they were never faces. I was like, they were never faces. I had that backwards. Reverse they, were, that. they were never baby yeah. faces. But it, it, I don't know. It was just it was just weird to me when I first uh, saw people cheering for Jimmy Carvin. I, uh, yeah, you know. But well, and I, I remember Jimmy from world, like watching Jimmy oh, yeah. from World Class, where he was a dick. Uh, and then later he does turn heel because he's he's the part of the shitty Freebirds, the shitty version of the Freebirds. <laughs> but they um, were faces for a while too. Like Jimmy bounced back and forth a lot. That not is true. Like, I just not I big never liked levels, him as a face. But... I guess I never felt it. Never felt right. How's that? Never felt right to me. Jimmy Garvin as a face. No, nah, it makes felt, sense. Felt uncomfortable. Sense. Any other notes about this match before we move on? No. No. So then we got a Doctor Destiny Williams promo, which I fast forwarded. Because I, I just I, I forgot that he wasn't in the varsity club yet because eventually right, he's in the varsity eventually club he would be. too. After feuding, like, where's with your them? Oklahoma jacket? After feuding with them, he would then join them. And then we have the greatest tag team in wrestling history. Yeah, the fantastic, beautiful Bobby. No, <laughs> beautiful Bobby and Sweet Stan, the Midnight Express. We are in for a real treat. The greatest tag team in wrestling history is here. Here's the funny thing: history always tells us that the Fantastics didn't work out as a replacement for the Rock and Roll Express. Judging the crowd reaction of the 6,000 or so people they were in so North Carolina, over. they so were over. way over. The crowd was insane for this match. Absolutely insane. Um, notes that I have at this point, the United States Tag Team Championships were basically the Intercontinental Championship of Tag Team Wrestling. Like, that's what right. they were. Um, this I love this. This match had everything. It had in-ring action, brawling, chairs, tables, you name it. This match had it in 19... 19- 88. In fact, I went so far as to write in my notes, this match would stand up in 2020. Like, you do this match today. Yeah, it's a, it's a classic tag team match. Like, this, and I think we're going to talk about this with both of the, like, I think both the tag mm-hmm. matches that, like, traditional tag matches are good yeah. in their own way. They really are. Uh, I think this, I think this yes. one's better. I mean, like, if you're looking for just overall work rate, like, this is, it's going to take you, take you to school. Like, these guys were terrific. Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane you know, I don't know about you, Greg. I don't know if you prefer the Condry version or not. Or no, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's sweet. It's sweet. It's, Stan it's, and Bobby. Bobby, Bobby. Bobby. Yeah, yeah, they're better. Um, no it's, offense it's, to Lover Boy Dennis. Such... We, we love Lover Boy Dennis, but sorry, sorry, bro. Right. But place. um, it had every sort of the the classic tag team stuff that I grew to like love, like everything from the face and peril stuff. And the other thing that I think is just kind of overriding throughout this whole show, the way the heels sell. Like the first thing I wrote yeah. down was just beautiful Bobby and sweet Stan. Damn, they could sell. They made the Fantastics at the opening of that match at that hot start. They made them look like a fucking million bucks. They did because they bumped all over the arena for them they before sure did. the match got Literally. kicked off and got into the ring. Literally like bumped over all arena. over the arena. Look, made them look so good. So a couple of notes that I have: Jim Cornette holding the table outside the ring high enough for a sweet stand to throw Tommy Rogers into it from inside the ring 
might still be the most creative use of a table in wrestling. And this match is 32 years old. Like, that's just, just amazing. The, quick the fact tags, that it worked. I think yeah. that was the crazy thing. Like, I think now people, you know, you're now, just trying to figure out the mechanics or, or you wouldn't. Like, I think there was just a lot of luck that that got rubbed into it. And it, it, it just worked. worked. It did. Perfect. Quick tags for the Midnight Express is what tag team wrestling is all about. They are the blueprint. And, of course, today, nobody does that better than the Revival. Um, I can't wait till we see them again. What I really loved, so when the referee was busy with Bobby Eaton and Bobby Fulton while Tommy Rogers was, was still the face in peril, Sweet Stan went to all the trouble to climb through the ropes, run to the middle of the ring, just to stomp on Tommy Rogers one more time and then ran back out of the ring. Like, all that effort, probably more damage done to himself just getting into the ring to stomp on the guy. But it's just so, so brilliant and, and so beautiful. Um, one thing I picked up on was Jim Cornette on the outside of the ring because we're in an era here before we had earpieces for communication and having an active manager in Jim Cornette is so useful. You could see him blatantly giving directions to Bobby Eaton on the outside while Stan Lee was in the ring and no one's the wiser because he's just managing him. But you could right. literally tell mm-hmm. he's telling him what's coming yeah. up next and and it was just such a thing of beauty and, and I loved, loved every bit of it. I was impressed to hear the focus on the rules of tag team wrestling, not just in the ring, but outside the ring. Like in, like, like saying that the referee wouldn't allow Bobby Fulton to help Tommy Rogers on the outside because he's too away from, too far away from their side of the ring. Like that was like, y- your domain is even the outside. You only get half the ring on the outside too. So was really, really, really enjoyed seeing that. Of course we had the classic tag team wrestling spot. The referee didn't see the tag. And whenever the referee... Yep, the Phantom the Tag. tag. Yes. Phantom tag. tag. Wrote that down. And, of course, we yes. had the Dusty Finish because we got to have the Dusty Finish. Written goddamn Dusty Finish. Right, goddamn, uh, on dusty finish. <laughs> goddamn Dusty Finish. Goddamn. After the crowd goes but nuts, you have the Dusty Finish. That, that really showed, too, how over the Fantastics were because when they, you know, won, I mean, the, the fans just erupted. So I, I think it, it was a... It, I mean, I'm not... I wasn't there. What was I? You know, just just a babe when this whole thing happened. So not not really sure as far as the the context of all of this, but you know, it really did help set them up as as continuously as Which as funny, baby faces because they um, just never really huh? pushed. They never really pushed them, and and no, it's even they, like yeah. when you listen to Jim Ross, he's like, yeah, they just didn't have it. You hear people, and and I feel like they all missed the boat because those guys were so insanely over. Um, so but, I do. I was gonna save this question for the end, but we've we've talked about the guy. Was the Greensboro crowd really representative of the entire territory, or was it just that it's Greensboro and it's like that ROH home base crowd that was just I gonna cheer? It's for ROH no matter what. It's pretty representative of the territory because the, the Rock and Roll Express was just as over in Greensboro as they were anywhere. So it, to me, that 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 right, crowd is pretty but, representative of the territory. It was one of their main cities, but. A good, a good. Because and and that's because because and that's the thing is I would love to go back and actually I I may eventually check some of the like the WCW mm-hmm. studio shows and shit that's you know surrounding that time where the Fantastics right. were booked and part of it and just see you know is there something we're missing out of seeing this Greensboro crowd right. and that's special about the Greensboro crowd versus because I see it the same way with like everyone like the heels. And the faces, like that dynamic is split right down the middle. The crowd totally buys it, eats it up, loves every second of it. It is hot throughout the whole show, like you said, Greg. Oh, yeah. Um, and just like at one point, I was like, is this an AEW crowd? 
Or we just don't love it. <laughs> just love everything. Series, or an ROH crowd. Yeah, I thought it was no, more of no, an NXT no. crowd, to be honest yeah. with you. It was more of an NXT I don't know. crowd. I, I think some of it, too, is timing. Like, that was 1988, and now we've gone through 32 years of wrestling, and um, I think the more we go through it, the more jaded we become as fans, the more it's kind of, oh, we've seen that before, the more that we want more whatever it is, whether it's more high-flying, more wrestling, yeah. more this, more that. It, I mean, I kind of said it jokingly, but it, it was a simpler time. And I think that the the crowd was just in some ways happy to be there and seemingly popped for things that like really, well, you know, either took them by I surprise. I think it's really important to, to, to note why this show was happening and what it was, what it was running for free up against at the yes. time. Yes. And, and I think that that's another thing is that this was an opportunity. And I think a very wise decision like and i i you know kudos to the the people at wcw are uh for making the decision to be like yo we're gonna go up against wrestlemania um and we're gonna put a show on for free because vince had been screwing them pretty hard over the last six to eight months running free shows against their pay-per-views and kind of freezing them out so that crowd i can see being just as much of this as our our stuff too, and we're going to put it over as hard yeah, as we can. Because it did, it did run against WrestleMania four, and right, uh, and of course, which is where the Macho Man Randy Savage won the WWF Championship. I, if I don't say this, Patrick, I'm going to get a million messages about it. This was not WCW. This was the NWA. Oh, WCW sorry, didn't exist yet. The NWA. People nah, 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 nah. yell. Um, Same shit. Turner really. owned it. Not yet. No, Turner didn't own it at all. He, he didn't own it. I know. I not know. One bit. Um, what's interesting yeah. though, we talk about times, 32 years, whatever, 13 years later, what this would become ceased to exist. And that, that again, WWE, you know, they're still going strong and still having to do this week in and week out without ever stopping until the coronavirus hits. So it's definitely a challenge for that. I did like, we ended the match of course, by whipping people. Cause that's what we, uh, right. We do. Um, any other last minute thoughts before we jump ahead? Nah, it's cool. Then we had Al Perez in the top 10 seeds of the Crockett Cup. So we're going to skip that. Don't care. Um, then we had, so again, the confusion that, that, that this show likes to give us. We had a <laughs> Chicago. Yeah. So, uh, what... Go ahead. I don't Go know. Ahead. I don't know what this match was. No, I, I, I think I know where you're going, but th- this match was essentially two titled matches. It was. Uh, they kept, the announcers kept, or yeah, the announcers kept calling it, was it Texas Barbed Wire? It was a, on, according to the graphic, it was a Chicago street fight, and then in parentheses. Yeah, Chicago street fight on the graphic, six, but then the announcers kept But the graphic, it but right Texas below Barbed Chicago Wire. street fight, right below it said six-man Texas Barbed Wire. So we've got Chicago, we got Texas, I mean, we had Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors teaming up, and that's your Chicago and your Texas right there. Was it a Chicago street fight match within a Texas Barbed Wire match? I, it was a, a, a question wrapped in an enigma. I don't know. All I know is that it was really confusing. To the point where I put the winners of the match were Dusty Rhodes and the World Warriors, and that didn't matter one bit. Like, it, it had no <laughs> right. no the uh, well, no bearing. Oh, gosh. And it, I, I feel terrible because I'm, I'm going to sound like angry old man Jim Ross. Uh, as a kid, I wrote this. This was my note. As a kid, I loved the Road Warriors. Totally get why they because they were badass. They beat everybody up. As an adult, I hate them as a tag team oh. because and it goes back to what we just talked about. What was so great about yeah, the Midnight's and the Fantastics. The selling, they didn't sell shit in that match 
for for the warlord and the barbarian or dusty and dusty was right there right. with them too no they didn't and, and, and that like it was just like man that was a whole bag of nothing and then they tried to quote unquote get their heat back after the match was of over they did. the other note we... i had was that uh i felt like um animals should have kept the hockey mask forever <laughs> that kind of looked dope i loved it, it him wrestling with the hockey mask and because of the, the eye mask injury was cool yeah, yeah the mask was cool. But, but you know, he never would have kept well, it. Well, face paint. I don't know if you could tell though too. Like as the barbarian was trying to like kick it off, he had to like you could he tell threw his it hands off. like he, he threw yeah, it off. He threw it off. <laughs> yeah, he was on there too. He, he had to you know tip it off a little bit. And that's what this whole match. This, this whole match was about the post-match attack on Animal. That's really what it was. The finish right. was anticlimactic. This really came off. Maybe Chicago Street Fight means Battle Royal because that's what this felt felt like to me um, the whole time. But I, you know, we talked about selling and we need to talk about the warlord for a second here because if you love selling you gotta love the warlord selling the barbed wire like it was killing him one moment then blatantly grabbing it on the rope and not even feeling any effects less than a minute later like i feel like this is why the 80s get a bad rap i like there's so much inconsistency because the the 80s get a bad rap just the match before the 80s get a bad rap because in 2020 we know the barbar is fake and we don't care Whereas in 1988, right. we wanted it to be real and and cared when we found that it wasn't. So um, this yeah, match, though, is really what everything has been about for the first three matches. The aftermath match was more important than the match itself. And right. it's really funny, too, because people look at an era like this as more of what they want. But if a company today spends too much focus on post-match shenanigans, we get complaints about how they made the match seem unimportant. And all three of these matches, they made the match seem unimportant with the post-match shenanigans. Um, No matter how much I love the Midnight Express and Fantastics match, they still demeaned it with, with, with what they did. So this was... This was the throwaway. This was this was the intermission of the show. Was this match? Yeah, it really Sadly. was. And it took them forever to set everything up. Then they had this Nikita Koloff interview, and I and at this point, as I'm hating every interview they do, I, I thought, you know, I honestly do think these interviews were effective. But 32 years later, I just simply don't care about these interviews whatsoever. Because right. everyone who they interviewed is like someone they wanted to be a big deal, but never became a very big deal. Like Nikita was the biggest out of these people, but even Nikita didn't quite get to, you know, they wanted him to be a world. They wanted him to be like the replacement for Magnum TA. That did not happen. Right. Um, yes. I did write Nikita Koloff looking like a snack in white. Uh, Cause he looked sharp in that, in that suit. Uh, but I have no idea what that Promo was supposed to be. It was just words put together, and I'm just like, just, just, just. Go back and watch all the old World Championship Wrestling episodes on the network. Every Nikita Koloff promo is terrible. Like Um, it's he's just he was a bad promo. Like he was just a bad. He needed a Paul Heyman. Like that's what he needed. Like, like. Well, he he had an Ivan Koloff, and then they got rid of him. Well, Ivan Koloff I mean, was, was walking death in 1988, so I, I can valid, I understand. Valid. I mean, what he was saying, from what I understood, was somewhat relevant now, talking about your health and taking care of yourself. I mean, it's like he predicted the future, that he knew he was, that he we knew. three would be watching this during a quarantine. Right. He, he was the right. Russian say your prayers and eat your vitamins He was, guy. even though he was like, from No, it's, it's so even like... He was. It's a joke, but it's true. Like he never should have turned. To position him. He never should have turned. He never should have turned, and never should have grew hair. Like those two things. Never right? No, have he never should have. He should have stayed. 
a bad aid, a baby face, and should have had this guy. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman, and I serve as the advocate for the reigning, defending, undisputed, universal champion, Brock Lesnar! Let's talk about the NWA World Tag Team Championship. Barry Windham and Lex Luger. Lex Luger wasn't ousted from the Four Horsemen that long before this. Challenged the champions, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. Um, really liked the hot open to this match. Through that first torture rack, like, they had the fans eating from the palms of their hands. The fans literally thought the match was going to be over in mere minutes. It wasn't even that long of a match. It felt a lot longer than it was, and that's not a bad thing. Um, dude, Barry Windham, like, that guy was over. Like, O-V-E-R, mm-hmm. over. I mean, He put a sleeper did. hold old, uh, over did. like that. Like, the fans just popped when he put that sleeper hold. Here's on, the problem with that sleeper hold, just... though. Because there's a problem I had with the sleeper hold. And I don't know if Barry just did the move on instinct and, and didn't mean to. Barry buried his own finisher. Like, Barry hits a lariat, mm-hmm. then goes for, like, a backdrop and a sleeper hold. And until he has no problem kicking out, like I don't like, like why would Barry hit the lariat and bury his own finisher? I don't think he did it on purpose. Um, interesting fact: so the announcers continued to promote the Crockett Cup several times during this match, and promoting that this could be the final match. So I went back and looked at the 1988 Crockett Cup, which takes place less than a, a month later in the same building. So Barry Windham would turn on Lex Luger less than a month after this yep. match and join the Four Horsemen. However, they were close because Lex Luger and Sting would beat Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard in the finals of the 1988 Crockett Cup. So that was a little little, little foreshadowing that was probably a little too true for for what ended up happening. Um, Doug the finish, Doug J.J. Dillon introducing the chair in the match, and, and, and Lex Luger actually doing something smart for once and throwing Arn Anderson in it. I feared, you know, not remembering the results of these matches, I feared a second dusty finish on the same show. Um, even though uh-huh. we just had one, you know, two matches ago. Um, however, in hindsight, Luger Windham had to win this match. Like, given what was about right. to happen on this show and what had already happened on this show, these two guys had to win. Like, the fans needed that moment. Um, yes. Side note, they would hold the belts for 24 days when Barry would turn on Lex Luger and join the Four Horsemen. And then... And then give the belts right back to Arn and Tully, right? That the match where they where he turns is the match where they lose. Right, right, yeah. That's that's how he gets. That's how they win. Who would hold them for 149 days, by the way, before losing them to the Midnight Express, and then going to WWF, ending the Four Horsemen. So that was. Yep. That was fucking Tully. But new champions, Lex Luger and Barry Windham. Any other thoughts about this? A great tag team. Um, I, I wrote this note. I say this all the time. I think I'm still the only guy who thinks Lex Luger could work. Uh, um, damn sure could work the crowd. What? He could work the crowd, that's for sure. His clotheslines were bad, but I'm going to be honest with you, so were Stings. I know we're not that match yet, right. but mm-hmm. equally bad clotheslines. Right. And and then just, um, you talked about the finish. The heels losing in a way where, like, they, they didn't lose their heat and their, like, they didn't, they didn't lose anything in losing. And I think that's one of the yeah. things that so many people gripe and moan about in I know that you're not big on him and you stopped listening to his podcast because he, he complains too much, but this is one of the few things that JR has said more than once that I that I do agree with is that there are ways to lose and if you've if you've built your, your character and done it well done it well, you can lose and it doesn't hurt a damn thing. And I think that that 
is very much proven true out of this match. Like Arn and Tully should have never left. Like I get why they left, but like they weren't going anywhere for a no, long time as all. a tag team. If they, if they had stayed together and not jump ship. Yeah. They had years left in them and that was lost because of issues over money, but that happens. Right. That happens. Miranda, any other thoughts on this nine minute? Oh, I like this match. Uh, I mean, it was very different than the other tag matches uh, to to me as far as, you know, just more in ring. Um, but I agree. I, I liked that that finish with the with the chair arm going through it. Um, and it was entertaining. Yeah, it didn't feel like it went on very long. No, and, um, the match was only nine minutes seeing, long. I was really surprised Yeah, it, it just like it, it was long enough where it was engaging and, of course, not too long. Um, but I I I liked it. I was thoroughly I thoroughly enjoyed pretty much all of this. This was definitely like, oh god, it sounds so old, but like a history lesson for me, um, just because I'm still. <laughs> I know that I made that sound like so bad, but nah, uh, nah. You know, no, it's a history lesson uh, for anybody. I mean, there's it's... a lot of people who haven't watched shows like this, like yeah. like from this generation of fans. There there's yes. a lot of people who talk like they've watched these shows that haven't watched these shows. When there were things that I'd forgotten about, like like this show. Oh yeah, you know, and I've watched it. I haven't watched it as many times as Patrick has, but I've watched this show before and watched it live, and then have watched it since then thanks to the network. But there's a lot of things like, like I didn't know who won the tag team title match that we just talked about. Like I didn't know who was going to win that match. Really? Watching, I don't remember. That's well, I've seen that remember. clip of of Lex jumping up and down. Right. Um. In other Although vignettes. that's just Lex's move just when Lex he wins a general. match. Like you could have yeah. seen that. Well, on no, any... but I, that's true. But I want to say I distinctly remember this one. Uh. Because I. But you know. No, no. I'm being silly. Eight years later, he would do the same thing when he beat Hogan. Was it ninety six yes. or ninety seven when he I did think it? it was 96. Oh, I was gonna say not when ninety six actually. Yeah, ninety six. Did he do that when he beat Yokozuna? No, he got carried up on well, that. He slammed, yeah, he slammed Yokozuna and then got the hero's carry. But he does, yes. he also does the like the flex arm thing. He like claps his hands and then flexes like right. off to the side like that all the time. That's one of his he big does. like celebration moves too. I before Lex got hurt, I'm gonna say this one more time. Before Lex got hurt, he was not that bad of a worker. And <laughs> no, I don't, really I don't think, run I think... that. No, I'm not saying you are. He gets a he gets a reputation yeah. of being like this trash of a worker. And he really wasn't that bad. It's buzzing no, because I've been hearing this me. argument for nine years, but it's true. That's the thing; it is true. Like, like Lex, Lex gets a bad rap, and I don't know why. And we've been talking about that for for years. But like you're right, it, it is the absolute truth. So let's talk about the main event: the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Sting challenging Ric Flair. Of course, the match ends in a 45 minute time limit draw. So here, okay, the problems, and I love this match, but the problems start at the beginning. As four judges were announced, four judges, you had Gary Juster from the NWA Board of Directors, Sandy Scott introduces a former wrestler, he was also a local promoter, Patty Mullen, who was a penthouse pet of the year, but they wouldn't say penthouse, they just said pen of the year, Ken Osmond, star of Leave it to Beaver, who was there, who was announced as a judge, and Jason Hervey of the Wonder Years was announced, but wasn't announced as a judge, he was just sitting with them. Later, they showed the judges, all with notepads, and neither Jason Hervey nor Ken Osmond had notepads, but the other three did, and they were sitting in between each judge. And, and that, I think, is a, the commentary. There were only three judges, but they made us think there were four, and as a viewer, they probably made you think there were five, but really, there were only three. Yeah. And, and right. the, and You're like, course, why is he sitting with them? Because it's stupid. I don't know. 
Jason Hervey. It's, so it's like Jason, the mean well, here's the, well, let's let's real quick. As bad as it, Jason Hervey was a big enough deal. The Wonders Year, the oh, Wonders yeah. Years in '88 was a oh, yeah. huge show. Yeah, yeah. So of course, like, but it would have made more sense. I, I honestly, if you're going to do that, do the WrestleMania treatment with your guest timekeeper sort of yeah. thing. Like maybe Instead Jesse Jason Hervey rings the bell. Guest maybe around. Yeah. Well, and, and even the way that they were all standing, like when he was introducing them, Jason was still kind of in the middle instead of the end. So even if, he, you know, they had just told him, stand on the other side of this other yeah, guy. They just, it was clear they really didn't know what to do with him. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Jason, they're like, oh, we'll just, Jason just looked happy to be here. Like he was happy to be standing around wrestlers. Oh, happy yeah. to be. It was basically he's a, like. He's a big fan. Yeah. It was like in, in 2020, Jason will be putting on a promotion called Cactus League Wrestling. Anyway, so J.J. Dillon was suspended in a cage above the ring because we needed that. That was something that, that was done. Interesting of note, the announcer didn't say there was a 45-minute time limit during the introductions. He did when he mentioned the five-minute had, had elapsed, but didn't. Again, it's like they were purposely keeping things from 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 the fans during this match. Well, now, Shivani and Ross, are you talking about the crowd? The crowd. Yeah, ring announcer didn't didn't mention it. Um, they, like it they showed the judges and and again, neither Jason Hervey nor Ken Osmond had pen and paper. They were seen between everyone else. Um, dude, Sting's rat tail. Like, really? Oh, uh, uh, no, I, I mean, uh, that, that, that you can judge it now. And one thousand percent you should. But it was that was a thing. That was a like, yeah. I, yeah. I agree. I hate I hate rat tails, but man, did he make it? It just pulled the look together. Nah, you just he'd, like he'd the have, rest of stuff. He'd have been okay without the rat tail. <laughs> like, let's be honest. He'd have been just fine without the rat tail. The look would have been okay. Right. Everything would have been and, fine. And, and believe me, based on his life before he found Jesus, he he definitely had no problems there. No, he had no problems. Oh. <laughs> the rat tail didn't slow him down. Um, but no, yeah, co- complaining about the rat tail in 2020 when it was over in 1988 is like complaining about things being open right. during the coronavirus before everything shut down, which people are doing today right. and yesterday and tomorrow, so it doesn't matter. The hardest thing about watching a 45-minute time limit draw is knowing it's going to be a 45-minute time limit draw. Yeah. Like, that's why I, I'm one, like, like one of the two people on planet Earth who don't like Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania. Like, it's 60 minutes. We knew it was going to be 60 minutes going in, and there were zero falls during the hour. Like, to me, knowing this was going to be a draw was was that. Um, interesting. So we're at, before the five-minute warning, they had shown the judges four different times, which to me was a dead giveaway. Like, something's going to happen involving these judges. And, and, mm-hmm. and Right. Well, that's just – that's logical TV, though. Right. Yeah, but – You have you do that. You set up your, t- you set up your TV obvious. audience. A little too obvious on that one for me. Um, for a 45-minute match, I thought they did a great job stretching things out in a way that didn't feel long. Uh, announcing the time that had elapsed was interesting, as I don't remember them doing that previously. I think they might have done it during the first round of the opening match. Um, but then only the Midnight Express and Fantastics even went over 10 minutes besides this match, so who knows. Um, really, really weird watching wrestling, seeing Ric Flair chop somebody, and not hearing the crowd woo. Like, that right. is surreal. That wasn't a thing yet, yep. That yeah. was not a thing at all. Um, crazy as it sounds, even in 1988, I think Sting was in the wrong company at the wrong time. Mm. Like, Why? Had he been in WWE, then WWF at the time, 
I think he would have gone on to be the replacement for Hulk Hogan. They hoped Ultimate Warrior. Yeah, he would have been the he would have been the Ultimate Warrior that wouldn't have failed. Exactly. Yeah. Because because he was a company guy. He kept he kept his shit together at least enough to not yes. like put himself in trouble. Yeah. And the thing that and the, and I think that you want to talk about just kind of classic booking and a frustrating thing is this went to a time limit draw. Sting doesn't really. When does he get his actual like big win? Nineteen ninety. Because he gets hurt. Well, ninety. I have it in my notes. Yeah. July of nineteen ninety. So two years. Yeah, two years. So he's like in this, and people argue that this match is like the match. This match. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get that. That. That's. That's. Let's finish the match first. Okay. Um, for thirty-five minutes in, and I finally saw something that was not good, and that was Sting trying to get into the abdominal stretch. Like, it was so bad. Flair, like, helping him get into it, whatever. But that's, like, the only thing 35 minutes in that wasn't nearly perfect. So I got to... When did he miss the head scissors? There was a head scissors you tried to do. That That was early. That was, like, like, oh. That was so out of place. I'm like, well, what year is it? Like, he's trying to do this head scissors. (laughs) It's like like he he watched a tape of Mexico right before he went out or something. And he and Flair thought to try it. Um, Despite all the nods towards this being a time limit draw, we had 10 minutes left, and it still felt like we could have a winner in the next 10 minutes. And to me, that's an often overlooked thing about this match. Despite going 45 minutes and knowing it's going to go 45 minutes, it still always felt like it could end at any moment. And that's really a credit probably to Flair more than anybody, but to Mm -hmm. these guys. I absolutely loved, love, love, love how Ric Flair was selling the figure four leg lock during this match. One thing I never understood was how someone would undersell or no sell when someone hits their own finisher on them. And you see that sometimes mm-hmm. now. Like, you're literally undercutting your own finisher. But Flair sold the figure four like his leg was broken. Like, literally mm-hmm. right. sold it. They kept talking about Young always, Star. Yeah. Go ahead. He was he was always good about that in, in general. Time. And just to see um, how how he did that with Sting and, um, and and even just that crowd pumping Sting up for the, for the reversal. Um, I It was just something that I, I just was – my eyes were glued to that. Um, and and now thinking of things backwards, seeing, you know, what I know now and, and seeing something um, from 88, it just, to me, it started to make a lot more sense um, as it far does. as just Rick Flair, the, the wrestler, um, and his style and really the power of the, of the figure four. I mean, I've, I think his selling at times has been crazy, but that's just Ric Flair as well. But it really does help tell the story. Um, and I'd rather someone kind of oversell and be a little dramatic than not at all. See, and in, in, in this time, especially, and I, again, I wrote this, you know, you talked about the figure four, Greg, but his, much like a lot of these other heels that we followed, whether it's the Midnight's, whether it's Arn and Tully, these guys that are at the top that are heels, their ability to sell and make the, and make the face look like a million bucks is really what makes this a big deal. And it doesn't, you know, it, it's not just the figure four. Like, there's a test of strength very early in there when Sting does a twist. And Flair, Flair's famous for yelling, oh, God, when he gets oh, yeah. put in. And he, he does that more than once. He gets that thing. He's like, oh, God. And you're like, oh, man, he's really putting that over. And the whole, the whole sense of desperation that Flair sells throughout that match of just trying to survive Sting is some of my is my favorite kind of flair 
Like it's the same thing when he would work with Steamboat and it was desperately trying to hold on, even though that sort of, you know, kind of shifts to more of a peer to peer thing as they go over that series. But him just being scared to death and fighting for his life and getting out of the way just in time or falling out of the turnbuckle while Sting's going for a stinger splash. He doesn't actually dodge the, the, the stinger splash. He nope. falls down because he's so beat up and that causes Sting to miss. That's, that's poetic. Oh yeah. Opinion. This is, and it, and this it made my... me think of one of your friends, Greg, because it made me think of your buddy, Dom Vitale and the way that he talks about building a good match oh, and yeah. what he thinks he is knows. important. Dom Vitale loves this match. I don't even does. have to ask him to know that he would love this match. <laughs> no, he does. He does. A couple reference points. Um, Flair was 39 when this match happened, and Sting was 29. Oh, he's so old. Yeah, I know. So old. Sting would Good not wrestling. actually win the title. And what's funny is that Flair was 39, and this is only his fifth title reign. And he would go on to have, you know, according to the, the, the usual history, 16 of them. He says 19. History says 22. But it's, uh, you know, Sting would not win until July of 1990, as we talked about. I, the final five minutes of this match were fantastic. Like, Sting, no-selling, headed into the last minute. Like, that let the fans believe that he was going to pull this thing off. Then 30 seconds later, he goes for a submission move with 30 seconds left, which I didn't understand whatsoever. That's his move, um, though. Yeah, but there's 30 seconds left. Yeah, because so there were only 30 had, seconds left, Greg. I know. So we had judges. Uh, of course, Patty Mullen picked Ric Flair. Gary Juster picked Sting. And Sandy Scott as a judge who's supposed to help pick the winner, rolls the match a draw. So we announced four judges, had five sitting at ringside, and only used three. And then the graphic they put up showed Ric Flair as the winner. So that was a little bit of a miss. But seriously. As much as a Chicago street fight yeah, inside a Texas You know, they really, they really should have just left it up to Tommy Young, who is just yeah. the greatest referee in the world. Let him let him just pick a winner. Well, if you go back and watch old world class, when a match would go to the time limit draw, the referee would actually pick a winner. And I right. just found that mm-hmm. really interesting. But seriously, why have judges? Like, why do that? Like, just let it be a draw. <laughs> like, like, it was a time limit draw. Let it be a time limit draw. But you were alluding to this earlier, and I want to talk about it. Did this match truly make Sting? And we're all going to answer this question. So, Patrick, you go first. I don't think it did as much as people like to believe it did at the time. Miranda? I mean, in my limited historical context, I would say, yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason why people think it it did. Um, I mean, that was... a a 45 minute match with, with Ric Flair. And even though he didn't win the title, um, I mean, he performed really fairly well in that match. I mean, he was super over with that crowd. So I think all those elements um, helped build to, to this match being, you know, one of the ones that helped uh, make him a star. I agree. I actually do believe this match made Sting, despite the fact he didn't win. Despite he didn't win the belt for almost two and a half years later, he was a huge draw from them moving forward from this point, and I do think this match made Sting. Different question, though, but to me, similar. Did this match make Ric Flair, Patrick? Uh, and what What do you mean? Okay. I think this match made Ric Flair. It made Ric Flair the Ric Flair we think of today. Like he, so you, you're, Sting, you're arguing like the nationwide, months. like nationwide of, audience. Made. I think more people. I I can I can buy that this match because because for his audience, I mean, you got you all got to recall. Like I'm watching Mid Atlantic stuff right now, 
from 83, he's the world champion and everybody knows it. And he's the guy. And it's right. like, so territorially, he was always the guy. This was, this is a big national stage that put him out there to be seen in a different way. And so I can buy that argument. Like I love me some flair versus steamboat and, and always have, I think right. this is a better performance out of Ric Flair than any of those three matches. When Ric Flair well, worked with Ricky Steamboat, Steamboat he had Ricky Steamboat to work with. But he he made Sting. He carried Sting. He taught Sting so much in this one match. Like, to me, this might be Ric Flair's finest performance. Now, we weren't there when he goes to Puerto Rico and goes 60 minutes with Carlos Colon all around the loop because Flair was doing these draws everywhere all the time putting the local guy over by going 60 with him, refusing, like local guys would ask to go 30 because they couldn't go 60, and Flair would say no. Um, <laughs> because it's the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, you got to go 60. To me, this might be Ric Flair's best, greatest performance of all time. Like, watching this match, I'm just in awe of what he did and and what he did for Sting and just everything he put together. Bad booking of judges, whatever assigned, just let it be a time limit draw, and, and we'd all be good, but... To me, this is like this is the Ric Flair legacy. This is how Ric Flair is the greatest play, you know, greatest wrestler of all time because of a performance like this, in my opinion. So that's where uh, that's where I'm going with with that one. So Clash of the Champions won the very first ever Clash of the Champions. Heck of a night. Did go head to head with WrestleMania four. Did do some damage, um, according to people you, you hear on various podcasts to the pay per view rating. And as uh, a night that that you know will always be remembered, might be the might be the greatest clash of champions ever, and and that's you know maybe New York knockout with Flair and and and, and Funk, who knows? Maybe Flair Steamboat, but the rest of that card was kind of weak. But Clash One in the books. Hope you guys enjoyed that. All right, gentlemen, you have three minutes, and you better make it good. We got three minutes, and we're out of here. The clock is ticking, and we're in the clear. We got three minutes, and we're out of here. So, we always love to joke that, you know, oh, no one listens to the shows, no one listens to the shows. And I always tell you, people listen to the show. So, a couple weeks ago, we had some fun, and during Pot is War that I had to host, one of the, the ten potential names for the show was Fuck You, Jimmy Rave. And then, we sat here on this show, and I explained <laughs> the origin of Fuck You, Jimmy Rave. And like I said, people listen to this show. So, I got a message a few days ago from one Jimmy Rave. I'm going to read you that message. Hey, sir. <laughs> just wanted... I know, I'm reading it on air. Hey, sir. Just wanted to double check and make sure you got your package. I had one get sent back to me. I haven't replied to this message yet from Jimmy Rave. Um, you left him on red? I left him on red. Yep. Left him on red. So, I mean, I promote wrestling shows. I have to leave a lot of people on red. Um... Because there's too many to reply to, too many to reply to nowadays. But so my question to you guys: Do I? Of course, you know this is going to get back to Jimmy Rave because obviously the first conversations got back to Jimmy Rave because he sent me a message. <laughs> well, you know about shrimp cocktail anyway. Let's. I mean, I would so, ask for some shrimp cocktail with the package. So, so do I? So I do. Do, do I play it dumb? Am I like, oh yeah, it didn't come. Oh no. Do I call bullshit? Do I? What, what do I do? Ask ask him what what address he said. Yo, you know what was the address on the package? Like test 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 us test us fool. I mean, catch to him, be honest, I, I don't entirely know where you live, Greg. You you've been here, like it's 
I mean, I, I, I gave a different friend directions to pick you up or pick me up at your house and gave them the wrong address. So that's true. Or no, or actually, no, wasn't it that like there, there was like an east and a west or whatever? And I gave that was a different house, though. That was a different house. Oh, that was it. So, shit, that was it's house. been that long since I've been to your house. I guess no. so. But um, I don't know, man. Because here's the thing: is I know you're going to do what you want to do anyway. Like, because because I'm the no nice guy. Like I, I'm the nice guy. Like I just want the swag. Like be like, sure, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll let you have your your feel good, make good. But that's me. I'd say prove it. Take a picture. See, prove it. See, there you go. Prove it. Make sure you send that screenshot to Miranda, too. Yes. Put it, And Miranda can put it on her Instagram account. Yes. Prove it. <laughs> Hashtag right, Miranda so we'll, show. Uh, I'll reply to Jimmy Rave in the next 24 hours, and we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I found that very interesting. Everyone loves to think that nobody right. listens, but lots of people do listen. And things get back to people when they uh, nobody listens to my show during, during these shows. Yeah, no one listens so. to my show. So, except one. I thanks to shout out to the person who put a nice long comment on my Facebook about the comments on the hashtag Miranda Show. That was really nice. That's Just because cool. they com- don't comment doesn't mean they don't listen. Trust me, people. That is listen. true. I've never commented on anyone's podcast that I ever listened to. See to. exactly, people listen to. The shows. Patrick O'Dowd, tell people where they can find you and what they can listen to. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. I am up to 462 followers, Greg. Got two more. That's ex- that's exciting. I know. I'm, I'm growing. He said growing, and not anyway, growing. That, that's you can you can listen to me on this show. You can also listen to me on Tuesdays right now until Greg moves me on the Bandwagon Nerds podcast. We talked about our top 10 uh, Saturday morning cartoons that we enjoyed oh as children. God. It was I had so much fun. And the poll, the numbers are, are heavily favoring the Looney Tunes at this point. So jump over to the Bandwagon sense. Nerds Twitter. Make a vote. I still think G.I. Joe is better, but whatever. Um. Yeah, that's me. While you're here, Patrick. Yep. It is time for another edition of Baron Corbin Sucks. It doesn't matter which of the two nights of WrestleMania Baron Corbin works, his segment will still suck because he sucks. That'll do it for this week's edition of Baron Corbin. All right, Miranda, tell everybody where they can find you and what they, and conversely, I, can expect on this week's edition of the Hashtag Miranda Show, since I have no idea. You can find me on social media, specifically Facebook and Instagram, at the Hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out. I'm at 299 Instagram followers, so if you want to be lucky 300, go ahead and add me um, now. Uh, start following me on Instagram. I can't guarantee you'll be number 300, but, if, you know, if you want to be in the running, 
just follow me. <laughs> and uh, as far as what we're going to be talking about on uh, the Hashtag Miranda show, uh, we're going to be talking about WrestleMania, of course, two weeks away, uh, going over the big announcements that happened last week. Uh, one regarding the host of WrestleMania, uh, Rob Gronkowski, uh, the fact that WrestleMania is being uh, split into two nights and the rumors and speculation regarding WrestleMania uh, matches being pre-taped, including two matches that uh, have a lot of rumors swirling regarding being filmed off-site in some special locations. You know, I really should have written that article. I told you guys last week on both shows they were pre-taping WrestleMania matches. And then I then I sent an email and confirmed it and sure enough now it's true and everyone's talking about it and I'll go so far as to tell you not only are they going to record some Wrestlemania matches they already have and will continue to and you know what that's just that's just what it is I won't be tweeting those things though but you can still follow me on social media at ChairShotGreg <laughs> of course you can listen to this show and all the shows uh, that we have to offer including the hashtag Miranda Show Pot is War Badlands Wrestling Mount Rushmore's. By the way, this week's edition of Badlands Wrestling Mount Rushmore's features me, Greg DeMarco. I am the guest of Mags this week, (laughs) which is really funny. So a couple weeks ago, the the topic that the guest got to talk about was the the Mount Rushmore of Royal Rumble surprise entrances. And then last week, the guest got to talk about the Mount Rushmore of Intercontinental Champions. Jesus, what? I should have been on those shows. No, you shouldn't. What shows? Do what topic, topic does Greg get? Week? Greg gets the Mount Rushmore of on a pole matches. <laughs> <laughs> Judy Bagwell better be there. Yes. Hilarious. Judy Bagwell absolutely is part of this 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 thing. Hey, it's a really fun real topic. Quick, Mer- can I put a request in for the Miranda show discussion? Um, since I don't, I don't usually hang around. Can I? Can I just put in one request for the show? Sure. What's What's your request? Can, can you and Greg talk about the Undertaker Tiger commercial, please? <laughs> please? Uh, Have you seen yeah. the Undertaker Tiger commercial? I've seen clips of it. I haven't seen the full thing. Oh my God. You two have to get on YouTube and watch (laughs) the Undertaker Tiger commercial. All right. I'll I'll work on it. Please. I'll work on it. Yes. Because isn't the guy in the Tiger now he has his own like Netflix? Yeah. There's a whole, there's a whole doc. Yeah. I don't, I don't know anything about that, but the Undertaker with Michelle McCool in a pool with a tiger. It's, I thought that was photoshopped at first. When I saw just the picture, I I was like, this is photoshopped, right? Watch this. Please also, shout out, is, isn't today the Undertaker's birthday? Shout out to the yes, Undertaker. Yes, it is. No, yeah, right. yeah. Since, yeah, I mean, since people listen to the show, we know the Undertaker's probably listening. So happy totally birthday, Mr. Callaway. Salute. Oh, he uses his, his shoot name. Yeah, don't do not do that. Don't don't go Callaway. Oh, also. come on. He's a locker room Not leader. the Undertaker's birthday. The Undertaker is, you know, never. He's I mean, never it, born, never dead. Think about know, that. It's not like he's Phil Brooks or anything. Like, don't, don't. Why? This was a good show. Why you gotta go and ruin it? Like seriously. This was, <laughs> this was, this hashtag was, Miranda's fault. This was a good. It show. always is. This was a good show, and and you got to go and and do all of that. <laughs> it's not gonna get me down. Just like the coronavirus, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep being happy. I'm gonna keep being fantastic, man.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.